What's up, everybody? Today's episode is with Annette Torres, and actually today is actually today's episode because I actually recorded it and will be sending it out today, which is pretty rare for me. Uh, it was a really important conversation. We talked about what's been going down with Las Cafeteras. As many of you have been following, uh, Annette put out a really important blog about um, some questions, uh, dynamics of abuse in the band, and I, which I wanted to set, sit down with her and let her just elaborate more on it. We had our podcast was about an hour and a half number 15 and so we you know we get down she gets real and uh hope you all enjoy it the story needs to be told and i'm really uh i'm just really glad that annette let me into her home and allowed me to tell this story or allowed me to present this story all right everybody uh enjoy thanks you ready no no you're not ready <laughs> <laughs> i get so nervous I tell him i'm so nervous this is okay. the funny thing about interviewing musicians is you all are so awkward when i record it's, it's hilarious <laughs> well i mean i think i was the most awkward in the band i was like i hated the i hated the the, pu- the signing the signature the publicity yeah. i hate it i would run to the to the dressing room after performance well, to avoid what i learned about musicians that i like the most is they tend to be the most introverted yeah. And and what I realized is that no shit they don't like talking because their instrument is their voice, yeah. right? And so in a one on one interview they just had a really hard time. Yeah. And so I had to learn how to try to navigate that a little bit. Yeah, a lot of motivational speakers are introverts. Yeah. They they they're good when they're on stage also, but they're yeah. when you come talk to them they're like, yeah, well, part I'm like I'm awkward. Yeah. I'm really awkward too, I think. <laughs> oh, we're both awkward. So He's write. awkward too. So. We're all awkward. It's great. It's great. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, uh, who are you? Let's start there. Um, my name is Annette Torres, and I am a former member of Las Cafeteras. I've been part of Las Cafeteras for about 10 years, 8 to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I play. A... Were you there from the beginning? Yes. Okay. Uh, we, I, we started off as students uh, at Eastside Cafe. Okay. Um, Angela Flores gave uh, was giving workshops there, and so there was like twelve of us that started taking classes every Saturday, and then people started trickling in, and um, and then eventually the other members, the remaining members of Las Cafeteras, now they came in after it was um, the group was already. Because originally to play. it was like a more of a community space, and people yeah. just came by and learned Son Jarocho and. Yeah, we learned Son Jarocho, and then we started going to protests, and we started playing music at the protests. We started bringing our jaranas, yeah. and uh, and then we started getting invited to play at birthday parties and churches and stuff like that, and so then that's how we started. A lot of quinceañeros, too, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe, no, I, th- I don't think we were that <laughs> <No>. good. <laughs> we were not that good, but yeah. but we did get invited. I mean, I mean, we were, we were, in the beginning, we weren't as... Like we were horrible, and but we were so happy to play because it was like, it was a lot of our first time playing, like almost like all being out, like public musicians as musicians. Yeah, yeah, we'd never touched an instrument. Wow. And for me, it was like amazing because I never thought I was gonna be able to play an instrument ever in my yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to us was very, it was very exciting. It was that that moment when we all started was a very exciting moment for all of us because we we. It was an instrument that that came from resistance. It was it was music that came from resistance, and we were resisting um, the closure of of South Central Farms. So we, were, we a lot of us got introduced to Son Jarocho uh, at the South really? Central Farms. Back then. Yeah, back okay. then. So we got introduced uh, to it by Son del, Son del Centro, Son de Madera, mm. Los Cojolites. And so a lot of us fell in love with the message, and so, well, so when we took classes, we were excited, and and uh, 
And yeah, we were excited to share it to the community. I remember taking my dad to the South Central Farm, and he was like, "I've like in Spanish, obviously." He was like, "There's things I see here that I haven't seen since I was in Mexico." And he hadn't been in Mexico for like 50 years, right? Like he was an older man. And uh-huh. He lived most of his life in the United States. Yeah. Uh, he's just like it was a deep sense of nostalgia for him. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, when when we went there, it was like very. I mean, when people come from Mexico, when my mom came from Mexico, she said that Los Angeles was like Mexico. Oh, it looks like yeah. Mexico. So, I mean, South Central Farms represented a lot of that. And the music represented a lot. Of, I mean, it took people back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was so important for the for the farm to be there because it was bringing like uh, it was bringing fruits and vegetables to the community. And yeah, like I would get like a wheat like what you Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, with like what is that? The flor de calabaza. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like that that stuff you don't you can't really get anywhere, right? No. So it was real food, real yeah. Mexican food. It was really grounded. And, yeah, yeah, really grounded. So yeah, so that's where we a lot of us fell in love with the music and. And then Eastside Cafe is an autonomous place, an mm-hmm. autonomous space. And, Still really active. Sereno, yeah, very yeah. active. And and so that's where we started taking classes. And so we, before we dive into Las Cabateras, uh, it's obviously the, the, the focus of this conversation. I do want to just sort of center you and who you are. So tell us a little bit of who you are, Nat. Me? Um, okay, well, yeah. I was... I was born in East LA. I was born in General Hospital, but I'm I don't want to claim that I was raised in East LA because I my mom moved a lot, and mm-hmm. we and you know, she was raising fourteen kids. So I come from yeah. a fourteen. Yeah, I have I come from thirteen brothers and sisters. That's old um, school. That is nice. old school. That's like you know you have a farm and you have all these kids to right, right. to work the farm. But no, my mom didn't have a farm. Uh, we <laughs> she, lived, didn't have, she didn't have a rancho. <laughs> she didn't have a rancho. No, 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 no she no. didn't. But uh, but yeah, I mean, she's from Mexico and from Morelia, Michoacan, and uh, you know, we I grew up in South Central and and uh, in Highland Park and all over the the place. You know, I got a little was bit of everything. Was it just your mom or was your dad involved too? Um, my dad was in and out. Okay. He he was an alcoholic for many, I mean, for many years. Well, you uh, never, yeah, you never uh, stopped being an alcoholic. Right? He never, no, yeah. no, and. Uh, and so he was in and out, but my mom held it down, and my older sisters held it down, and and they they supported the family. What kind of work did your mom do? My mom was uh, she used to work at the um, like where you sew, yeah, uh, sweat, the factory sweatshop. No, I well I don't know if it was a sweatshop, <laughs> but I remember that she got hurt and she almost lost a finger, and yeah. she. Um, because the needle went through, and yeah. so she had to stop working. So my father would work in the car washes, and he would support. And then my sisters got older, and they started working in like okay. doctor's offices. And, and where stuff. were you in the fourteen? I'm one of the you? youngest. Okay. Like I'm the youngest. I'm probably like fifth to the youngest. Um, so you had your, the benefit of your siblings supporting a little bit. And... Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, they, you know, I think being so like such a large family like you attach yourself to one one older sister so one of my older sisters Letty was my mom and uh and so like I I mean I do gotta say that you know a lot of like a lot of the opportunities that we could have had like playing music and stuff like that that's why I fell in love with the music because we couldn't have that my mom couldn't afford to put into music and And so, you know, and so I became a mom very young. I was a teenage mom and mm-hmm. I, you know, now I, ha- I have four girls and they're older. They look like my sisters, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, it must be a hell of a family photo. <laughs> yeah. Tell, I you mean, fit in the frame. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, we don't, <laughs> but, uh, I think you have to do like a panoramic shot yeah, of my right, whole family. Right, right, right. 
And and so that's where I come from. I mean, there's there's uh, you know, I was you know, I grew up in 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 Rosemead too, and and a lot of the influences, you know, that I had were like from my friends. They got into gangs, yeah, and sure. so I got into a gang too, you know, and and it was just because I needed to belong somewhere and. And eventually that has helped me now because I eventually got a, you know, job in, in at a high school helping teenage moms and also like helping them go through college. Is it like casework or? No, I work for this uh, uh, organization called Buena Vista. Oh, yeah, sure. And, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately it closed down due to lack of funds. But Is that I, Gloria Molina's project? Uh, no, it's actually, it was here in Pasadena. Okay. Um, and so I would go to different high schools in East LA and I would go to different, um, high schools in all over and just talk to a lot of the teenage moms and bring mm. resources to them and also do workshops for them, you know, so they could know that they, they, you know, what unhealthy and healthy relationships look like. So, you know, I got into that also because I experienced that, you know, in my life and I wanted to get back. And what did you experience? I mean, I, you know, I also experienced, you know, my father was, you know, he, it, there was a lot of domestic abuse in my mm-hmm. family. And so I experienced that, you know, through my mom. And then eventually, like, I got into a domestic violence relationship. And I've experienced, you know, um, a lot of, like, control and a lot of, you know, like, hurtful things that you, you experience when you're in, in that type of relationship. And um, unfortunately, like, I almost lost my life because I wouldn't listen to people to when they told me get out you know get out like he's he's gonna hurt you but i had kids with him so i thought well maybe you know he'll change whatever you know you go through those thoughts that maybe things will get better and and they never did and i ended up leaving that relationship and it was funny because i went into a a women's shelter and i knew that i was going to pick myself up and then i was eventually yeah i felt i lost everything i i was working at a doctor's office what got you through that what what gave you that what gave me that my girls my girls like i knew that they deserved better and i eventually got my own apartment and i got you know furniture and everything i saved up money those saved seven months of being in the shelter and and uh and then a few months later that's when i got into the project of um then i went back to school to east la college and so you're a little older going to Elac. yeah i was a little older going to Elac and um and then I, I with these girls. I mean, that's that's just a lot. It's a constellation of things yeah. that's just really intense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I don't know how I did it with four <laughs> girls and going to school and working. And that's why whenever they complain that they have no, they don't have any money, I'm like, don't even complain to me. I raised you. I raised you. So four that, girls. You're that, yeah. You're that old Mexican mother. Yes. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, pop up I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, we lived on beans and rice. <laughs> but you know what? We've always been blessed. And I feel like like the universe has always blessed me. It she has always guided me to to provide for my girls. I you know, even though I went through hard times, there've been really great times and and those times have always taught me to fight my next battle, you know, because in life you they're like little battles that come to you and you have to fight as best as you can and you learn from every single one of them yeah, and, I, and i think that's like the tension if you have a, a narrative of struggle is 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 like you definitely don't want to go back to that right but you also appreciate that there were moments of brightness and there were moments of joy within all that because that's what keeps you going yeah you know you can't yeah, just like definitely. disallow all that like there, right love happened joy happened right you know and mm-hmm. so it's hard to like 
maintain both, right? Because one doesn't exist without the other. Right, Even yeah. Even one is regretful and, and horrible. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to know what good times are if you don't have bad times. Mm. You never really know about yourself and your strength if you don't go through those tough moments. I mean, I don't wish them <laughs> upon you want anyone. That yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. wish them upon anyone, but yeah. this this is this is my case, and I have to make the best of it. Yeah. And so music took me, a, took me out of that because it was six months after when I – picked myself up and I and I got back on my feet that I got into son Haracho mm. music and it was my time of, of starting mm. to be conscious it started to like get tap into like the movement and sounds like it was really healing stuff. for you too oh yeah I I, I I always you know on the road I always tell people music heals you it, it really transforms your life and and I you know I heard stories of a lot of women a lot of women that said that wow music has changed my life so much you know yeah. i was in this situation and sometimes when i would share my story because i wouldn't share my story a lot about i think it's one of the first times i share my story of my you know about being in a domestic violence relationship but when i did share my story women would come up to me and after. how would you share your story like would you be on stage sharing it i would be i uh, the workshops okay. um a workshop i would probably like I, sometimes i we had a workshop for a, one of our only workshop for that was requested by only women mm. only leah denise and i and i shared my story there and because it was all women and so one, you felt safe to share it i felt safe to share it but i also felt at that moment that it was time for me to but start sharing yeah because i knew that there was going to be one person that related to my story yeah. And it did, like, uh, you know, a couple of women came up to me and they said, you know, um, we relate to your story. I was in this relationship or my mom was in this relationship or I grew up in this type of environment and you really helped me, you know, put things into perspective. And so. And I think I've learned this a lot from uh, Native American communities, the idea that that this pain is generational, right? That isn't, it doesn't just exist in one generation. And right. It carries forward. If yeah. If we don't grapple with it, if we don't sort out how to deal with it. Yeah, it does. I mean, it went from my mom, and I'm sure from her mom to my mom. And so my my thing is, like, how do I stop that from going to my girls? And I think I think it's, we communicate a lot. And I think that, I mean, from what I see now, the girls, my girls are pretty much aware of, of that because they lived it, and they don't want to live it, and they seen me live it. And they don't want me, they, they, it's like a change, you know, and yeah. I think I've, I've protected them a lot in, in that sense of not repeating that same, that same cycle. Do you find that they have healthy relationships with men? Yes, okay. they do. It's important. Yeah, it is. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for like their choices of, of loving themselves enough to choose someone to love them. Yeah. And I think that was, that's always been key. Um, that they, I mean, I, I, have books all all around you know all around my my apartment and, and books that i've shared with them and they shared with me and and i think it's an open communication with us and my girls and and you know and and that and that you have to love yourself and it and it ultimately comes from you well and i, and I think that that act of sharing right and being able to communicate your pain is also an act of love and compassion oh yeah and it's hard it's hard to find that moment yeah right it's hard to find that that place to be able to do that yeah it is i mean I've, I've always been very open with them very open because they were little when when i separated from their father and but they they don't remember much of what happened but sure. i'm i'm always very open and he you know it was a good thing that he changed his life and he was able to talk they were able to ask him and he was able to explain to them why 
he he acted the way he did mm. and it came from his family wow. Wow. it came from growing up in in that type of environment and him thinking that that was the way you treated a woman because misogyny you know? is also generational exactly right? yes yeah. yes so he was able to to know that he you know he was he did spend seven years in prison mm. and you know because of of what happened you know how he how he um he almost killed me and and uh and when he got out he he was able to transform himself and so he was able to talk to the girls and that helped them a lot to heal as well so yeah. it was good that he did that and that'll help to for them to form healthy relationships yes too. yeah i mean I, I think about my dad a lot he passed away like four years ago mm. and um from what he described he was a complete asshole when he was young mm. right like yeah. he was 18 just having all sorts of kids with women and right. not staying with them. And, and it sounds like he got in fights all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm really lucky to have had him when he was old. He passed away when he was 83. I was like 20, well, what was I? 28 or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I had a lot more, man, that experience was a lot more introspective, a lot more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And thinking about his life and thinking about what he was giving to the world. Yeah. Uh, I definitely appreciate that because I wouldn't want to be raised by the asshole that like, yeah. he was when he was younger. You know? <laughs> so he transformed before he had all of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, a, that's, it's very, I mean, I think you're one of the lucky ones because, <laughs> because some of us had to go through that pain with our parents, you know, and, and now that I'm older, I, I don't accept what happened, but I understand why it happened. Hmm. You know what I mean? I, I mm-hmm. don't, I think from, with my father, I can, I can understand where, why he did what he did and where he was coming from, but I don't excuse it and I don't, um, I forgive him, but I don't need to be part of his life to mm. be. And a lot of people used to tell me, in order for you to heal, you have to forgive him. And I said, I Not don't need to do, right. I don't need yeah, to do anything yeah, yeah. as long as I'm able to move forward in a healthy way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it needs to be examined to understand how it affects us and how we perpetuate it, too. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's not to say my dad wasn't still a dick, but, you know, it's just, it's just a different dynamic. Right. It's a different dynamic. I yeah. Think. Hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. Wow. <laughs> That's good. You asked for it. I did ask for it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, you know, this is the thing about podcasting. I just don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know? Like, I have an idea. Like, okay, about that. And then all the other shit comes out. And, I'm yeah. like, and I have to just take a second to, like, you know, be like, okay. let's go with that yeah um so so you 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 know sort of put your life together you're going to college you're engaging in this band you're finding this 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 is the other thing i think it's really significant too is is part of healing is also finding your voice Mm -hmm. right so it sounds like you kind of found your voice in in the music and Mm -hmm. and then learning how to be a musician and, and finding a certain degree of confidence that you could be a musician yeah right and that's all yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, when I was... Which must make this experience so much more painful. Yeah, definitely. I, it, It's also, I mean, while I was in Las Cafeteras, because I, I, you know, I was doing a lot of the business side of Las Cafeteras okay. also. I was, I so was you knew act, all the numbers, you knew what was happening. Yeah, I was acting as the co-manager of the band. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, even through school, like I, I was getting my degree and I got my degree in communications PR at Cal State LA. And even through that, like... Cafeteras was my main focus. Like there were professors that sometimes had to give me a break because I could, I had to go and perform or something like that. And and so I, I had to connect cafeteras to my work as well. So I would ask them to come and perform. And so I was very much involved in in this project. It it, it like I told you, it, it healed me, and I was very invested. And so the only way that the cafeteras could continue was 
also to take care of the business side and take care of all the the requests and take care of the negotiation. Yeah. So Daniel and I took care of that all that while you know Hector was working full time and you know Denise was also at Cal State LA full time and David was in and out. He was you know traveling or or he would come back and then he would leave and get his degree and Leah was opening up her yoga and she was also working at USC. So everyone had their side jobs and their side life and which is common for musicians exactly that type of yeah and uh and i think for me it was i didn't this was my job i invested even when i got my degree i invested i put my degree into this just this, this um the into the project into las cafeteras and and uh and so like to me i'm just like when when they questioned my you know my when they questioned my commitment i'm just like well Okay, well, why would why would you question a commitment when, when I you know I've also left my girls behind yeah. for for months at a, yeah. at times you know so I could go and perform and you know and sometimes Leah and David are part of a a, a Tao temple like they're part part of this religion thing, and they had to constantly take off. But to me, it was it was almost kind of like uh like everything that I had to do with my girls was a problem. Like it became a problem, you know, and and to preach something on stage and saying that we're we're liberating women, we're liberating mothers, we want to lib, we want to we're your allies, and then doing things behind, you know, closed doors, you know, and questioning my girls whether I did go to their play. It's to me, it's just kind of like you're not really practicing what you preach, and it yeah. was many of the things that that were said on stage that weren't practiced and. You know, and behind when the curtains went down, it was totally different. So let's 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 talk more. So let's let's dive into that. So what? Yeah. So you wrote this blog post. Tell us so people can read it. I'll link to it. But tell us a little bit about what you wrote. A so couple, uh, a couple of broad strokes, then we can dive into the different pieces a little bit. Okay. So I wrote I wrote my statement. It was mostly my statement. It was mostly a story. It's kind of like a story, and I was really telling people. I wrote it over a. a Maybe about weeks at a time, I, I would get up. And my partner, Piero, was actually one of the ones that pushed me to say, you need to write your story. Because I did go to a journalist, and she decided not to write, not to release the story. And Why was that? Do you know? I have no idea. She cut communications with me. Shit. I have no idea what happened. Like, I still want to ask her, why didn't you release it? But one, maybe she was, like, on like on deadlines with other other stories. Two, maybe... It was more, it, she was probably dealing with the he said, she said kind of thing. Yeah, there was that. So I, th I feel but, like when I released my story, I was supposed to release it because I gave it in such detail terms, of yeah. how it happened. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and I feel like when I, when I wrote it, I put it away because I, I didn't, I didn't know when I was going to release it because I, w I was first scared. I had to, I had to take time for myself to be able to like, if nobody even listened or, or I got backlash because they, people told me you're gonna get backlash. You're gonna people are gonna talk about you, and I had to prepare myself emotionally, mm -hmm. physically, mentally. So well, and it's just hard to be vulnerable. Exactly, and that's just a basic part of it too. Yeah, and you revealed a lot about yourself. Yeah, it's like now people are gonna experience. know all these things about me, and are they gonna think that I caused it? You know, because right, right, that's right, right. usually and all uh, the victim blaming type of discourse. Exactly, and so I wrote it and. And I, I got the, I got a, a letter from, I got the contract from their lawyer. Um, they, they got a lawyer, and it was a separation contract. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to see it for like about 
a few months I couldn't I couldn't open it I couldn't I couldn't look at it and or or you know actually Brenda which is our lawyer and I don't know if I can mention her name she actually sent thought she sent it to me but she resent it so then it took me a while and then I finally got a lawyer um, through the California Association because I couldn't afford a lawyer and he finally read the 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 agreement to me, the contract, and it basically said that they would pay me a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, a thousand dollars. Yeah, when I, I mean, if you're gonna try to sign something, just throwing out a big number. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, God. and so and so Jeez. it said that they would pay me a thousand dollars, not to disclose anything that happened in the band. I mean, there's so much stuff that they put on there, and they would also keep fifty fifty percent of the profits of everything that we that I put into. Uh, after and then after that, they'd give me Which whatever. Which could be potentially lucrative. Uh, yeah, but, but I mean, when whatever. I even the lawyer laughed when he read that. He's yeah, just bullshit. like this. They're trying to keep most of it. Is it's bullshit? Yeah. Mm. So then, um, so then it, another section said that I that I would also that they would put out a statement and I couldn't go against their statement. So if I signed this contract, like I couldn't put out my own statement. And they'd be able to write their own statement without yes, you without me agreeing to it. Exactly. That's fucked up. Yeah. So there's so much stuff on that contract that I mean I it's just it's crazy. Kind of hardball, yes. Fuck yeah. Up. Which is which is almost another layer of the abuse, right? Exactly. Control yeah. also controlling my voice, controlling my story, and so then I and thought controlling like, their image and their brand. Exactly, yeah. and you know it's 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 like they go around the universities telling these students to tell their story, you know, tell your story. If you don't tell your story, somebody's gonna they tell. They say you. that, like for yes, for like they. This is the way they start their uh, their thing, and I'm just like. It's fucked up. Yeah, and I was just also like. Also, you can I, cuss on a podcast because it's not oh. good the FTC. So. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I, just, I forget to mention that. But, uh, <laughs> okay, feel well, free to say whatever. I'll you want. probably cuss a little. Yeah, feel free. <laughs> so so yeah so he they uh so after that it it just it. The next day, I asked the lawyer if it was like I asked him, you know, like is this gonna affect me going it in like in other legal directions and he's like no and then i was just like i'm not signing this contract yeah, you're not getting anything out of it yeah why would you say that it's exactly and he's your voice is worth more than that exactly that's and wild. that's and before i had second thoughts before i went through my whole emotional roller coaster of yes no yes no i just put it out and i was just like i'm doing it and i i remember i was shaking i was shaking for for a few, like maybe thirty minutes, I was shaking, shaking, and finally sure. I just pushed the 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 enter, like send it. And when it sent, I was still shaking for like maybe an hour or two after, and yeah. and and then just and then I got the first the first comment, and I was just like, <laughs> okay, I can't watch anymore. It's a like, hard moment. Oh yeah, I cried. I went through. Yeah. I went through all, any emotion you can think of. And then, because at least what I've seen, there hasn't been any like negative or doubtful comments. Um, or or have no. you been? Have you been like moderating it? You know what? Out of all the emails, I, I I've only gotten to the some of my emails on my inbox and my Facebook, but I've gotten to most of them on my WordPress that I I've said well, thank the, you the to people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and so the blog. So the only one that I got was from this guy, Jacob Hernandez. He owns a uh, Guadalupe Custom Strings on, okay. in East L.A. So he, he works with all the Son Jarocho community. He works with a lot of musicians from all over, and they, they order, you know. He was my marimbol teacher, but 
I dropped him because he wasn't a good teacher. He really doesn't know how to teach. And uh, and so he um, he wrote me an email and he said, good one, Annette, you want all this attention now. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, good good one that you want this attention. He's just like, we all know why cafeteras, why cafeteras didn't want you. You're too old now. He they they it's kind of like you, they threw you away. Yeah, and he's like, go make breakfast for your kids. What the fuck? I put that shit on blast Damn. right away. I put it on my Facebook because I wanted people to see what what this looks like, yeah. how how ugly this looks like. And yeah, they reported me, and since then I've been censored on Facebook because they've been. They That's rep- what I because you mentioned that on your Facebook page, and I was like, they probably yeah say whatever you want to say, say it through my site. I can do whatever I want. Okay, if you cool. Want, if you want, yeah, it's an no, <laughs> yeah, so they probably, probably like started marking you. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is bullshit. Yeah, man. that's and, so childish. Yeah, and and I know it was. I mean, I know it was because they. It's they, more of the it's more of the behavior that they're trying to say they're not doing. Exactly. It's more proof of it. Yeah, and I I know that a lot of people ended up calling calling him, um, at his shop, and he could have lost a lot of work. And I know that that they were worried about that because he did comment on my on my, on my uh, Instagram, and they say you go girl, and I was just like okay. And I left it there, but they they reported it and they, yeah. they took it out. But that was the only one that I I I came across that came directly to me. Other ones were just like people are writing about you. Hey, we're calling. People were calling me and saying we're calling you because I know you're getting a lot of backlash. And I'm like, where is this backlash? I'm not getting it. Like it's not coming directly to me. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so it was more us. support. Yeah, see, it's been really great. At least from what I've seen. Um, and then, you know, so Las Cavateras puts out a statement, a really weird statement where like the first piece of it is like, you know, we're, we're women and we're not being abused and this is horizontal. And then the next statement is acknowledging that they have a problem. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. I mean, I know that when I read the statement, I knew, like, I know their strategy. I know what they're going to do. I know what, I know how they're working because I've been there with them. I've seen them you know, yeah, you know them intimately. Yeah, so I know that that the first statement might have been Denise that wrote it, and then the rest were Daniel and Hector because yeah. they've been the ones that have been the. Well, it does read like different voices too. Yeah, and I don't even know them, and I can, I can also yeah. tell that too, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was, you know, and it, it was one of the statements said we we should have allowed the women, and it's just like even their language, yeah. you know. We should like is it? Yeah, can, we should have allowed. Controlled it. Yeah, it's still controlling. It's, it, yeah, so it you know when I, I they put out their statement I'm I you know I did get a little pissed off and I was just like f you you know I did I did that was the first time that I was able to like cuss them out like that you know it wasn't even that bad it was just like f yeah. you cafeteras we're trying to get out of this one but then I'm like okay calm down like step back and that's also just not good enough yeah I I just feel like I mean they're they're also like calling this this uh, community forum and yeah, what the hell was that about. I just feel like, you know... That's bullshit because they didn't name a date or a time. Right. And and if they do, it's going to be like a place where they want it, a place where they feel like they're going to be yeah. supported. and They're going to trust at the terms. Exactly. Which is not authentic or no. thoughtful at all. No. So um, it seems like a big object of the, of the attention was Hector and Daniel, largely perhaps because of the figureheads, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean... 
I think at the end, it was felt definitely more by Hector and Daniel, I think because they had an image of where they wanted to take cafeteras and it was no longer part of, that image was no, didn't, no longer fit with like the community, community, you know, like. It wasn't grounded anymore. It wasn't grounded so anymore, yeah. And so, I, I mean, honestly, like, like fame messes you up. You think that's what it's about? Like, it bucks like, you let's, up. Let's, let's dive into this. Like, where, where the fuck did this come from? Like, what? I mean, they have their own histories, and they have their own histories of misogyny, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But, like, is it the entitlement of fame? Like, what? I mean, yeah. It's it's the, it's it's the like wanting more of that attention, I think. And it also comes with a lot of issues when you that you haven't resolved as, you know, yeah. as your childhood, you know? And I think, it, I mean, just the, the, the... Hector would constantly get in front of the cameras because he wanted to be the, noticed. He needed that, and... I think out of all of us, it was usually Hector and Denise that needed that attention from the audience and needed that, you know, the validation. Yeah, the validation and and uh, and I, I mean, I feel it also like also tells you that there's something missing if you're needing. Cause like, exactly, it's a common thing with with artists that there's a common thing with some artists. With a lot of artists, is mm-hmm. the need to get the need to be on stage in order to get validation because yeah. something else is missing. Exactly, they're like chasing something, right? Yeah. And so I think for Hector, a lot of it was like if he said, oh, I'm, I'm here to liberate women and there's like women that are in the crowd, they're like, oh, my God, you know, like yeah. here's our ally. Here's this guy that we've been waiting for, you know. And I think, you know, I think for me, from what I've learned through this, it's just like don't idolize anyone. Yeah. Don't. I mean, yeah. you don't know what happens you're enabling a lot of shit. Yeah, exactly. Partly what's going on. Exactly. Because as soon as like we went backstage, it was like everyone like was depressed. We were all depressed. We were all like none of us wanted to be with each other because Mm. it was we were like there was a lot of hurt already within the band. There was no trust. And so, you know, and so Daniel came back actually from school and, and he became very controlling. He, mm. you know, he started like treating us ser- like, like his secretaries. You know, one time his, his, um, his, uh, his computer broke, his laptop, and he was telling us, well, you all now need to, mar- need to put in my ca- the stuff in my calendar. You need to like log into my stuff and, and put it. Yeah. And, Straight up? Yeah. And we're all like, we're I not. I don't believe you, but it just sounds so crazy. No, it was like that. And then we're all like, Daniel, we're not your secretaries. Yeah. And then he, and then if, if you didn't do something that he didn't like at meetings, at like the, the meetings to wrap up stuff, mm. he would bring it up and he would be like, like randomly. We were not even talking like about he, that. And he gave me my Cheetos. Yeah. Like, Cheetos. Uh, and you know what? Annette didn't, Annette did, she, I asked her to look up some stuff on the internet and she didn't, she did it, but it wasn't the way I, li- I, I liked it. It wasn't the way, she didn't get all the information that I needed just to get everyone against you. Right. That's how Daniel was working. Like at the, like through, through the whole time, but in the end it, it got really bad with him. And, uh, you know, and Hector would yell at us on stage constantly. On stage. On stage. There was an, like during performances or during like before performances. The went up? Wow. So this was an incident with me because I know so you I can't necessarily to, hear it because if it's exactly if you know how to manipulate the mic, you don't. That's and he would smile when he would do it, but you could tell oh, because shit. he'd get red. Wow. But my, I know I mentioned in my statement uh, an incident with Leah, but when we were in New York, um, there was a hit that we had to make, like a three hit, and. Uh, and I didn't do it. I missed the hit. Mm-hmm. And he started yelling at me. And I looked at him 
And then this girl looked at me. So if this girl hears this, she's probably going to know. <laughs> what, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, she looked at me and Hector just, he was yelling at me. And I just looked at him and I looked at her and I just smiled at her. I had to cover it up. Damn. So I, you felt obligated to cover this oh, up yeah. for a long time. Oh, yeah. 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 For why, why did you feel obligated to do so? I mean, I think. What, was going, what, yeah, what were you experiencing at that point? I think like anything, like. Like, first of all, I lost my voice. I lost my identity in the group. I, you know, I was pushed. I think I, I was the one that was more pushed back because I was a mother. Yeah. I was older. I wasn't as animated, like, in front of the cameras. You know, I, I, I really, like, I wasn't what Hector thought that could be, you know, that could be part of, like, like, could, objection like in front of the, you yeah. know, in front of the camera. So... So I felt like I, I felt like I needed to step back, and I almost became invisible. I made myself invisible. I just didn't want to deal with them anymore. I didn't. Just to I, it. Exactly. I yeah. still wanted to do the music, and I was still like even at the end of of like them kicking me out, I was still like kind of like their abuse at the end kind of escalated, and in in that abuse, I was still thinking like, how can I make myself more invisible? How can I make myself more? Uh, like I still wanted to do the music. How can I compromise them treating me like that and then still doing the music? You know what Cause I mean? Because that, that seems like the the one of the layers of the abuse is that they took advantage of your commitment. Yes. To the project and, and what it was about, mm -hmm. and knowing that you would tolerate it a lot because you cared about it so much. Yeah. You know, which is also a common like nonprofits. Exactly. I work in unions. Like it happens a lot in unions. Yeah. Like, it's a general problem that we yeah. have in the progressive work that we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And it happens in relationships. Like Absolutely. I ended up in a relationship for many years and I was like, it was because I was committed to it. I was committed and, and, and you know, people just think that they can take advantage. But there's times when you're just like, you know, I, I can't stay or, or when you get kicked out, like they thought they, they could silence me. And because there, I wasn't the only woman that left the band, you know, there was other women oh, really? early on in the, and, and I don't want to like mention anyone. I don't want to like tap sure. into that, but there were other women that left the band and never said anything. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why it's mm -hmm. hard. It's hard to say something. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and, and so I, I always knew that I wasn't going to be another one of them that just walked away and let the men continue to act. Because, you know, like now that I, I received so many stories from different women talking to me about their story of, of, you know, one of them shared that she was raped and she was blamed and nobody believed her mm -hmm. and that she ruined the guy's image. Another one told me a story about, you know, like, like being hurt by Daniel a lot of specifically, uh, by specifically Daniel, and uh, and another, you know, there was a few that came out, you know, talking about Hector. But there was many women that told me, "Don't tell my story. I'm, I don't want, I don't want you to come out." With but you my... did, you did post two of them. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I posted Dolly. She was the first one that came out in support, and she had, she went to school with Hector at Long Beach, and she. A lot of the things that I described about Hector, she related to because she experienced a lot of that. Because um, someone that's abusive doesn't begin and end in one, with one person, right? Exactly. There's, there's always, always history. There's always history links to their their upbringing and whatever else. Yeah, and I think I think it 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 kind of focused a lot on Daniel and Hector because I think they were doing a lot of like. Uh, 
they were acting out a lot, like like activists, you know, like when we would go on like on tour, they they would sleep with all these women, you know. Jose did too, and and uh, and so then we would go back, and they would ignore the women, and it was awful because some yeah, like yeah, like oh my God, what is she doing here? Like you know, we we were ready, we were ready having have an eye for someone else, but the sad thing was that some of these women would confide in me because that was yeah you know yeah afterward yeah. and because i'm like i'm like the tia i'm the aunt you know so uh, they would open up to me and that would that would be fucked up because i would hear them cry and i would see them you know um denise and hector were in a relationship for for a while and you know there was a little a little infidelity there and she for a very long time still till this day defends him and doesn't can't let him go you know mm. and so so dealing with a lot of that, dealing with a lot of, you know, seeing pain, their pain, seeing her pain. And I think know. it sounds like you also have your own, because of your own history, it gives you a very different lens with which to see what's happening between everybody. Yes. That must have been particularly painful for you. Oh, very. Yeah, I, w I, I was depressed. Now that I'm out of there, I can think of like, you know, I, I would cry when I was on, you know, on tour and I, I would break down because I, 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 you know, I didn't want to be there. I wanted yeah. to be home. I that my home is my safe zone and and I didn't feel safe with Las Cafeteras. I didn't feel safe with the men of Las Cafeteras. And there's a lot of times when I didn't feel safe even if the women were there because they wouldn't they would never speak up, you know, yeah. they would never say anything. They would never defend me or anything. If I did speak up, that would have to deal with four of them and plus Leon Denise, you know, kind of giving me that look like you cost it, you know, right. like it's this yeah, it's your fault. And so, wow. you know, even though I had so much good times on the road and I met so many great people. And you found your voice, too. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. And I was able to stuff. help. Yeah. yeah. And so, but I was always wandering by myself. Like, if we would be, like, have layovers at, at airports, I would always. Just get the fuck away. Yeah. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I would. And I would just walk around. And, and I think mm. they took that they also use that against me saying well if you don't want you you don't want to be around us but i'm like no i'm just this is the way i am i'm a loner i'm i, I love exploring i love seeing yeah. different things and i met a, a lot of people too. exactly you find your way to survive exactly i mean it sounds like them questioning your commitment to them is more them questioning how much they can continue to abuse you exactly which i think is the darkest part of all this yes right mm -hmm. hmm. and you you mentioned a quote from Bob williams earlier that i think uh I think it's pretty powerful. Yeah, he said, well, I read it yesterday and it said, um, it said, become, like, what did it say? It said something like, be comfortable being by it was about, yourself. It was about loneliness. Yeah, being lonely. No, it's not as bad to be alone. It's worse to be around people that make you feel lonely. Yeah. You know, and it's true. Like, you know, like it connects to, to when I used to call my girls and crying, you know, and they would have to like tell me, it's okay, you'll be home soon. You know, but this was also my way of making money, you know, like sure. the, I, I created like I helped create this for like and I put all my effort and everything and I didn't focus on anything other than cafeteras and my girls. Right. And so to me, it was just like, if I don't have this, how am I going to make money? How, mm. how, am, how am I going to support my girls? Um, and, but, you're the, and you're the only mother or some you're the only person in the group that had kids someone that you're responsible for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it could also be an older parent or something, too, right? You know, I, yeah. I, I was the only one. That's responsible yeah. for somebody. So that yeah. also gives you a very different experience in the band as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, even with my when my girls would come on tour with me, I, yeah, 
I didn't get support from the band. I didn't, I, you know, there was one time when I couldn't, like Hazel came on, on the road with me and Angela, my other daughter, joined me. And we had to get a hotel because Jose had a problem. He said that, oh, well, now you're going to bring your kids and there's going to be no room in the car. So there was never like that, like, let's help her out. Like, let's pay community. Right. And so when he would bring his partner, there was never any problem, like Mm. no questions or anything. So, I, I mean, a lot of it had to come out of my pocket and a lot of it had to come out of like, I had to deal with that. So my daughters came to me like she was staying in Chicago going to school and she met me in, in I, I think, Detroit or Denver. And she's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll get the hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, OK. And at that time, we weren't getting we were getting paid, but the money wasn't going to come until we got home because it, when universities, they pay you like weeks Pretty after. Far, yeah. 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 They don't, they're, they don't do a very they're ridiculous. Job, but, yeah. <laughs> they get your accounting at the universities. Yeah. They, they take long. Cause I, I think the, the thing to understand about bands too, right. Is, is just because you're touring and doing all this, it doesn't mean actually making enough money. Yeah. Cause no. Cause you're not getting much from these venues, right? Yeah. Universities tend to pay better, but then as you're describing, they take forever to get it. It takes forever. Yeah. And so yeah. we weren't going to get into like weeks after. So my daughter's right. like, I'll get the hotel, Damn. you know, I'll get the hotel and I'll pay f- I'll pay for stuff, you know. Mm. And it just like to me was just like always messed up, you yeah. know, because I always felt like like you're a co- when you're a community and 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 the thing is like Hector and David are her cousins, like oh, they're actually yeah, family. family. So it was more like let's let's help it, let's help her out, you know. And even I mean even like in Oakland, like they stole all my stuff and art. Some artists donated money and. You know, when I hit up Hector and Jose to pay me, Hector's like, why do we have to give you the money we have to put into Cafetera's pot? I'm like, because it's, they gave it to me to replace the stuff that I lost. And it was awesome because when I did lose all that stuff, like the Oakland community came mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and they were just like, you know, giving me all this attention, like actually making sure that, that I didn't hate Oakland and making sure that I had, you know, this guy... You know, he loaned me his his laptop and he put, Mm. you know, he put Oakland love and, Mm. you know, because he wanted me to feel. But I didn't feel like none of the cafeteras ever said, I'm sorry, this happened to you. Mm. You know, and so it was a lot of that that stuff that I don't know, like they had inside of them. It's really callous. Yeah. Yeah. And now I think about all this. Yeah. I think about all this and I'm just like, you preach on stage and you're just like, Like you, 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 you're not supportive of anything, and it was true. Like, there was no support. There was no love. There was no like. There's no community. It sounds like there's no community. Right. And it was, and it all became let's let's attention on stage. Let's look good on stage. Let's you know let's get all these people to like us. Let's sign all these autographs. You know, and it's just like, and I would. I, you know, honestly, I, I would hide in the in the in the dressing room, not because I didn't want to say hi to people. There were times when I felt good enough, but I would hide because I didn't feel good about myself, yeah. you know, and and Hector would criticize me and he would bring people like to the dressing room just to be a jerk, you know. Just to fuck with your head. Yeah. Uh, and so so there was a lot of that. It was a, it was it got worse, you know, as it as we went along. But I'm I'm almost telling you like the end of my my journey with them. So it sounds like you're also just in the middle of a process of reflection too. Like now that you have some distance. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, it's been I think since since April. So I've had a lot of time to think, and I've had a lot of a lot of a lot of time to heal and 
And I w- I'm able to tell this story now without crying because, <laughs> yeah, if, they, if this was a few months ago, I would have been crying right yeah, now, yeah, like yeah. just just sobbing and yeah. and uh, and I'm I'm I mean that I read a, another quote. Here it goes. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna say exactly, but it said like when you are able to tell your story without actually breaking yeah. down, yeah. it's because you've you've healed that part of. And I'm and I'm not fully there because I can still feel myself. I can still I can feel, feel it too. I yeah, mean, I'm here with you, and I can still sense it. Yeah, so I, I I think I'm I'm doing good because I'm 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 I ch- had to check in within myself mm. and go through that dark. I didn't just like push it aside and and started doing other things. I actually sat down with myself and said because I want to break that cycle because I've been part of it since right. I was little, and it continued with Las Cafeteras. So. That to me now it's really important for me to break that cycle. I don't yeah. I don't want to attract people like that anymore. So I got rid of a lot of people and a lot of people got rid of me, which is I'm thankful which for. Is what needs to happen. Yeah. 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 No, I used to I used to have a drinking problem, and that was what I realized about it is that like I need to clean up my life, and it's mm-hmm. not just about stopping stop drink. So this is about not drinking anymore, but it's also about like who are the people that I use to help me drink. Yeah. Right. Like all those different elements. Yes. I yeah. needed to get rid of them. Yeah. You know, and that was hard because I was, I liked them because mm. they enabled me. Right. right. Yeah. And it's a very different life now. And I like this life, you know, but it took a lot of work. It yeah. It a lot of work. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I remember I used to, I used to do my partying too, to escape a lot of stuff. Yeah, and right. We're medicating that way, right? Yeah. yeah. And then a lot of, a lot of your party people, when you don't party anymore, they're not your friends anymore. They like go away and it's. Because they still have their problems. Exactly. You know? And that's their lifestyle, you know. And a lot of people let me go when I was partying because that was not their lifestyle. Right. So it's all like a journey. It's all part of life. It's yeah. all part of your learning process. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think um, not everyone gets to get out of it, you know. Yeah. So I think it's not about luck, but it's about, you know, you should, you should, not, you should what the fuck am I trying to say? Uh, you found a way to get out of it, and that's commendable. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's the story that people need to hear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes the universe kind of, I mean, I, I feel like I was pushed out so violently from Las Cafeteras that sometimes that need, that probably needed to happen at that moment. So I could finally find my strength to be who I am and, and Let's get your voice back and have my voice. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm grateful for that part. Again, I do not excuse that. I think they have a lot to learn and, and for them to not admit it and not want to learn. As as long as they're denying it, they're not giving themselves the chance to learn and to be yeah. better people in our community. And the best we could hope to do is offer a platform where uh, people can hear and experience the abuse that they cause other people to hold them accountable so right. that maybe they can heal. Right. So whatever it is that that is motivating this behavior is is deep and painful and tragic. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I don't know. Who knows if they can get past that? I hope they can. Yeah, me too. That shit's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, our community doesn't need more of that shit. We have fucking Republicans trying to kill us. We have exactly. all sorts of things happening that, and Democrats, like whatever. Yeah. We have a lot of things that are trying to harm us every fucking day. Yeah. We're people of color and we're working class people. And for them to continue to perpetuate that. Yeah. Is not what we need. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? And, and they are not like. I think I know like my description of and my pain with them describes them like they're monsters. But they're not. They're good people. Yeah, they're sort of humanos también, right? Like, See, yeah. I mean I my nephews are, are you know, I 
I have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I have now, but I had a lot of love for them. Like, and I just feel like they're good people. And they, they, they just, I think that it's, they need to take this as a learning experience and they need to hear out all the women that are coming out saying, you hurt me, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, you know, to me, my focus is now like, how do I become a better human? How do I become a better ally? for other women and to tell my story so other women can tell their story because it's really important to tell your story because you relate to it and then you get the power to tell, you know, and then someone else will get the power to tell their story. And that's how we learn. And on your own terms. And on my own terms, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is next for you? you, Have you been examining that at all or are you still just sort of processing all this? Um, Well, I started managing a band. I think it was like right when I was exiting, um, this bank asked me to manage them. Can we talk about that band? Or? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I put it's on my social media. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I started managing Sin Color. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fair, fairly new and they're very young. Mm-hmm. And sh- the singer is very talented. She has mm-hmm. amazing voice. And uh, and I managed them for a few months. And you know, we we got I got them a few gigs, and and they got you know they people started to know who they were. Um, but then I felt like I wasn't taking time for myself. Mm. Um, I went back to school. I'm taking... So it's a check for yourself to just let you know that you're not ready yet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, and if that was really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Because I know how to... I know how to do... I know my shit. I know my <laughs> business shit, right? Yeah, no, I, no doubt. I know. No, no, no doubt. <laughs> thank you. But, uh, but I, that's, that wasn't what was hitting my heart. It yeah. was... I wasn't feeling it. And then when I went back to school and I was surrounded by, by music... Mm. I'm like, this is it. This is my, my soul is here. My soul, I mean, I love music and I want to know everything about it because I, you know, I don't know how to read music. So I'm like, I want to know how to read music. Whenever I'm, you know, when we used to play with musicians, they would use this language that I couldn't understand. Mm. And to me, I'm just like, I, now I'm, I'm craving to know everything and I'm, and you know, wherever it takes me, I don't know, you know, I'm taking singing classes and, And I performed a few times and the teacher wasn't, you know, crying practically, <laughs> you know, because it's, she said you, you, you performed with your heart and you perform. And it was a song that actually I, it was, it was uh, my anthem coming out of my last meeting with Las Cafeteras, mm. you know, and it was, uh, it's Elastic Heart by Sia. Yeah. And it just, it's really about like being in this battle and coming out of it and not being beaten down, like, like being pushed too far that you're, you can't anymore and, and having a voice and coming out and telling your story, kind of. Yeah, because I, I, uh, yeah. uh, I never was really enthusiastic about Let's Go That Is, and I think now I, like I be, have a better understanding of why, and, and it just felt like the lyrics weren't like not examined. They weren't like vulnerable. Mm. You know, it just felt like they were, it was an aesthetic of like being progressive. Yeah. And that's, I think, sounds like so true in your experience. And I think the music that I think, Art, art, I mean, I just feel really strongly that art needs to be vulnerable. Yeah. Right? Like, it needs to be an examined experience. And sometimes art can be just, like, goofy and fun, and that's cool, too, because that's right. an experience in and of itself. But the love, the things that I love the most are things that are about, like, I'm thinking about where I am in the universe and, and what my experiences have been and what harms me and what heals me and all those things. Yeah. And I want to hear that and the things that are out there in the world. Yeah. And, and you know, I do got to say that, uh, it's time came out of a, a lot of c- people criticizing us, and at that moment, a lot of 
there's a lot of people coming down on us because I think they felt very disrespected that we were taking the music elsewhere. Um, Out of the Eastside Cafe space? or Yeah, and, and, and it being traditional and, and stuff, and that we were transforming it into something else. And I think music is transformative. I think music needs to move. Yeah. And it is transformative. Yeah, and I don't believe yeah. that it should just stay. Absolutely. Because it'll die. So you kind of carry it into the times of where you're at, right? And I mean, I still, I'm still a great believer of that. And I do believe that it's time. It's, it was a very powerful... Culture isn't static. No. Right. Like I, I studied indigenous Maya communities in Guatemala as a historian for the last 10 years. And I think one of the things that's really frustrating is people wanting these Maya to be in hyperbaric chambers. Like somebody saw a Maya person in Guatemala using a cell phone. And they're like, well, what is that? I'm like, yeah. Maya, they're intelligent and they're responsive. And they, right. They're yes. responding to their world. Like, yeah. Yeah, like when people were going to They're Chiapas. They're not just idiots that yeah. do the same thing over and over again. Like, exactly, yeah. You know, and they change. It transforms. And they change. Exactly. the world changes. Yeah. And there's no, there's no, there's nothing traditional. There's no traditional sounds. Right. There's There's heritage, and we draw from our heritage, and we create something yeah. different. Yeah. I mean, I also, I also, you know, my argument is also, like, if we stayed traditional, like, women would still still be in the <laughs> well, kitchen. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, we would still <laughs> be at home, like like yeah. how Jacob said, stay in the kitchen, you so know. So, in, in a sense, Las Cavateras is traditional in, in the misogyny that they've managed to yeah. display. And that, and that that's sense, what we need yeah. to fucking break. That's what. that That is why so many people texted me and said, Thank you for starting that conversation because we weren't having it. People were still not having that conversation. And, you know, and I, I still to the to like now it's been like, what, eight, nine days. And I'm just like still in awe. It's of, still new. And it. It's still raw. Yeah. And I think and I think one of the things that I really appreciate, there's a lot of things I appreciate about what you've done. And one of the things that I appreciate is as someone that's interviewed a lot of bands from Los Angeles and interacted with a lot of these musicians, um, it's a good moment for them before they get big or it's a good moment to for you to be that I mean I think you're becoming that conscious that mm. conscient conscient I can't speak English sometimes <laughs> fucking second language that conscience you know like uh -huh. to hey motherfuckers you're gonna get big but check, <laughs> check your shit yeah because this can happen to you any fucking second yeah you know and I think yeah. that's I really appreciate um, your contribution to this emerging Chicano Latino music scene in Los Angeles yeah. And I hope those other assholes take pay attention. Yeah. You know? I, they're great guys, but I, you know, I've seen them do some fucked up shit too. Yeah. And and you know, I don't know the dynamics of their relationships, their partners or whatever else, so I can't Right. I can't speak to that. It's not my experience, but like there's things that I've seen that are that are not good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, with this 21-year-old, you know, girl that that I mean, I don't know. I think she's older now, but she, when she had the encounter with Hector when she was 20 and said and, you know, she, I, I imagined her when I heard, when I read her story, it touched me and I told her this, that it reminded me of my daughter, Hazel, she's 14 mm. and she loves bands. And when she see like, she doesn't go up to like the singers, she'll go up to the musicians and she'll want to get yeah. their autographs. And if I never want her to encounter that disappointment of what, what was done to, to Lisa, you know. And she, you know, she said that she went up to him and Hector, you know, asked her for her age. And she's like, I'm 20. And he's like, when are you going to be 21? And she said, you know, in a few months. And he's like, gave her his number and said, call me when you're 21 and we'll go have a drink. I mean, I thought that was, I, I couldn't believe, I was so pissed off. Yeah. Because I imagined my daughter right. and I imagined like how, how, fucked up shit was happening behind my back. I felt so, like, betrayed, you know, like, how could you do that? 
how could you do that to her? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I, I you know, I, I had to tell her that hopefully she doesn't ever encounter shit like this yeah. again, you know? And I think you're also offering that cautionary tale of, like, don't have idols. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't, just don't. Because these are human beings that are fucked up, too. Exactly. And they're great and they're everything that you are. Yeah. You know? We're all the same. We're all the same. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's just like, I think also it was really important because a lot of men wrote to me and they said, you know what, thank you. Thank you because you checked me. And thank you because a lot of things you described I was doing in my mm. in my circles. Mm. Thank you because I have a daughter and I don't ever want her to go through this. Mm. You know, so there's a lot of men that, that they stepped it up and they said, you know, I'm gonna be more more aware of my of what I do in my circles. Yeah, because it's it's also been like a personal disappointment of mine as a young man with a very old father that just couldn't be active in my life, mm-hmm. wanting a real male role model and every man that I encountered would, would I would hear this stuff from them. I'd yeah. see them do these things. And mm-hmm. I was like, Well I want I want to figure out how to do this yeah. in a good way, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, it's hard to find that. Yeah. Um, I mean, how are you in your community circles? Hmm? How are you in your community circles? I mean, do you, with women, do you step back? Or, like, how How do you deal with this? With, with my relationships with women? Um, I tend to not want to date in the movement for that reason. Not because... Uh, it just creates a lot of complexity and things that we don't need, right? Because I do want to build community and I do want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of strong women in my life that I'm really close to. I've always tended to be around women more anyway for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And um, it's important to me. But, you know, I think, well, I was, one of the things I was thinking about that I, I wondered if it would come up was when I was, I was writing my undergrad thesis and I remember a friend of mine was talking about her friend Will being, I think his name was Will, it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. being like, he's totally a feminist, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, we, we're men. Mm. Like, our physical presence is misogynist mm. in and of itself, right? Because mm-hmm. I was describing uh, a girlfriend I had before where I would, like, lift my hand to my head or something. Mm. And she would immediately flinch, right? And I never hit her. I never was aggressive with her. Mm. But, like, to me, there was clearly a, uh, there was clearly a history of abuse with her mm. that I, just in a simple gesture, spoke to mm. and enabled in some way. Mm-hmm. And I can't stop that. Like, my physical presence does something in a room. Right. And I can't. So I'm never going to not going to be a... I, I'm never going to not going to cause harm to someone. Right. Because I'm just a fucking guy. Mm. You know, and that's something that we have to atone to and, and be held accountable to. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just fucking... I try to do my best. <laughs> you know, like... And, like, one of the things I've... I've like, I was in the... When I was flying over here, I live in Minneapolis, but I grew up in L.A. Mm. And my friend uh, said that she really didn't like me when she first met me. Because she felt like I was a, a mansplainer. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was like, fuck. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And, you know, and... Uh, I was but like, did you hear her out? Did you hear about, like, why she said that? Absolutely. And, like, I also recognize that, like, when I... I'm, I'm kind of an awkward person, and I, I... Historically, I've always had really bad first impressions. Mm. And one of the things I do when I'm nervous and awkward, I just talk a lot. Mm. Right? Which, which is... which. That's a thing, but that's also a thing of misogyny, right? Mm. That's also a thing of white supremacy. Right. Right. And I do my best to try to stop it, but, like, mm. I also, it's hard to, like, it's hard to break down those instincts that are wired into you. Yeah. Right? And it's not an excuse, but that's just something, like, yeah, it's a process, and I'm trying to work through it, and I'm doing the best I can, and I go to trainings and whatever the hell else. But I also know that, like, I like being in the background with this website and not mm. being in the front. Because I don't know who I'm going to be if I'm, the, I'm on the stage mm. being that person. Like, yeah. I just don't fucking know. Mm. And I hope that I wouldn't be Hector, but who the mm. fuck knows? I can't yeah. guarantee that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the first thing of every, everything is recognizing. And yeah. then you work through that and you work with that. And, you know, and I think I think that's that's the problem with with a lot of men in the movement. They they get defensive and they don't want to really hear what we have to say. Yeah. And then, you know, like in the last meeting that I had with David, he's like, I don't we're not here to learn from you. And I was just like, well, why not? I'm telling you everything that you all are doing wrong. And <laughs> I'm telling you, like, why I don't feel safe in this space. And that's an act of love and compassion. Yes. You know, yes. And and they said, well, you you didn't you didn't apologize the way you wanted us to apologize. And you know, they wanted me to apologize the way they wanted me to apologize because I was late with their lunch while they were giving workshops. And I was late with their lunch because David and Leah had this res- like health, like this restriction with their food. And I was just like, yeah. seriously? Like, it was that petty at the end. They want, like, I feel like that I, f- I was a threat to them. Well, yeah, I and mean, it sounds, it, what's what it, yeah, it sounds like uh, they were so threatened by you that they, they clamped it down even harder. Yeah, and they didn't. Even more aggressive. Yeah, and at the last meeting, I went in there, and I really wanted to tell them what was wrong. Yeah. Why, why I needed to take three days off without them, without going to rehearsal, because I, I was so tired. I was mentally, physically, emotionally tired. And I went in there, and I, I went in there because I wanted to tell them, these are the things that you did. And the only thing I got was like, mm, we don't want to learn from you. Yeah. Why would we learn from you? Yeah. And then Daniel, you're saying everything right, but I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. And I'm like, you're admitting it. You're admitting that the things that I'm telling you are, are true. true. They ring the, true, yeah, but you, yeah, don't, you still don't want to accept it. Refuse to acknowledge your behavior. Yeah, and that's what's happening now. That, mm-hmm. that's, what's hap- that's what happened with their statement. That's what's going to happen with their community forum. And the, and, you it's going to be bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah. they make a choice that they want to examine the ugliness that they hold within them. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, and then part of it too is examining our relationships with our attachment figures. And I think about my mom. My mom passed away like uh, eight or nine years ago now. And she, she was a very, uh, the way I describe her is I was as close to her as I could have been for being raised by someone with an undiagnosed mental illness. Mm. So I loved my mom, but I didn't trust her because mm. I couldn't. Because right. she wasn't a safe person in my life. Mm. And so I have to think about what that does to my relationships with women, you know. And I don't know if I've really found an answer to that mm. or examined it enough, but that's what we have to do right. in order to try to figure it out. Yeah. Right? Because that's what shapes our behavior and shapes the way we treat other people. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, what, and yeah, and, you know, the good thing is, like, with me, I was always, you know, growing up in these type, this type of violence, you know, I was always scared of abandonment. Yeah. So in too. my relationships, yeah. yeah, I brought that with me. And that's and where the control comes from because I'm afraid. Yeah. I, mean, I, did that. I mean, I fucked up so many relationships because I was, I start feeling people detaching and I get, yeah. I get afraid. Yeah. I don't want them to go and then they end up going anyway because I start freaking out and being a weirdo. Exactly. You know, and I get abusive and I get aggressive and not, yeah. not physically, but right. you know, in the sort of behavior that I was yeah. engaging in. And there's been, I think there's been, and one of the things I have to reconcile for myself is there's been a lot of women um, who've had to go through that lesson with me mm-hmm. uh, that were harmed by me in yeah. some way or another. And I'm thankful that they were there to help me learn through that, but I'm also regretful that they had to learn with me on that yeah. level. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, the life throws you hard lessons, you know, and and you just got to learn from them and become better. Like, you can't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you... I, I think for, for like, 
men that abuse, I don't think that they, I think they need to learn. Like they can't repeat the same shit over and over again. Like even even women, you know, like we need to learn and we need to recognize. That I, like I needed to recognize that I was being abusive also yeah. in my relationship right. because right. I brought that fear with me. Right. So in order for me to become better, a better person, I needed to start checking myself and learning. And I think that's what we all need to do as humans. Like we all bring baggage, but it doesn't give you an excuse to abuse someone else because yeah. of your baggage. And this is the first time I've acknowledged that my behavior was abusive mm. to those the women in my life in the past. Mm. So thanks for that, Annette. Aww. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, that we, happens a lot. When we when we are abused in some way, we, we carry it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Even as a survivor, you're still abusing, right? You're still, you become, sometimes when you're not being abused, you become the abuser. Yeah. And that's when you have to stop it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, hmm. let's just all become better humans. <laughs> <laughs> let's, well, uh, yeah, let's be better humans and let's think about the kind of community that we want. Yeah. And be devoted to building that community. Yeah. Because fuck, I mean, for fuck's sake, like, there is there are big fights that we're trying to take on. Oh yeah. There are big fights that we're trying to take on that matter. Yeah. But we can't fight them if we're not vulnerable, if we're not connected, if we're not building a community that's gonna sustain the money, the power, the guns that they're gonna throw at us. Right. You know? Yeah, it's true. I mean yeah, there's it's a greater thing that we're dealing with and we're trying to heal the world again. Like we're not gonna exist if we don't heal the world. And I yeah. think I think for us it's like like this is not petty. Like, I think we should put pay attention to what's happening within our community. But I think we forget that we need to start with ourselves yep. and with our inner community before going out there and preaching to everybody that they need to change. You yeah, need to yeah, change yeah. within yourself. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think uh, I used to watch RuPaul's Drag Race all the time. And, and like, the, the final scene was, was RuPaul would say, how can you love someone if you can't love yourself? Exactly. And I was like, man, that's like, it's just an elegant and concise way to explain something really complicated and, and dynamic and, yeah. and challenging. Yeah. You know, but it's that's, true. That's what it's about. Yeah. So thanks, RuPaul. <laughs> thanks, RuPaul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of, a lot of uh, people have been asking me about why didn't the women support me in in this process and I, I think it's not a fair question yeah know, and I think, I think for me I think it's 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 like up to them to speak on that and they I, need to decide for themselves yeah they need to decide for themselves I know I, I think I was very I've been very careful in not making it because it's very easy to make it like a catty thing yeah and I think I want to like play armchair psychologist and do yeah that shit. yeah because I did put out there that I was going to post something that you know why the women didn't support me but then that just becomes me making assumptions um, you and, it's, know? and it's not giving them the opportunity to find their healing. Exactly. Because no matter no matter what's happened to them or where they're coming from, we all need to heal from something. Yeah. And we need a space to do that healing. Yeah. And just accusing someone of something isn't necessarily what's going to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're not in contact anymore and you can't follow up and, and be and hold your hand and do all the things that matter and that all the soft and, and compassionate things that matter yeah and to help them find that healing yeah and you know hopefully they do find it and i think i i just you know my only advice to them is that the more they 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 hide it and they show these men they're not letting them grow you know and and i know it's it's fearful i know it's it's scary to come out and say yeah these things happen but i think you know i i think the community is just waiting for that they're not to judge you, but not to judge them, but I think they, they really, like, there is a lot of people that said, 
you know what, we can't point our fingers at them because they're not the only ones doing it. But yeah. if they come out and they say, yeah, like th there's a community waiting to be able to like, all right, well, then now them. there's work. Yeah, yeah now yeah, let's yeah. do work. Okay, you admitted this, like, let's do the work. But if you continue to hide it, you continue to be the problem. And if you continue to hide for them, when when you've already told many people that this was happening, right. because I wasn't the only one in the group that told many people. Or that it's already out there anyway. Yeah, like you're, you're actively enabling them. Yeah, and so that's my only thing to them. And you know, I wish them all the best. I there's nothing else that I can do from here on but just tell my story. And I think I think also, and I think you'd agree with me, is, is that in order to heal, you have to confront. Yeah. You don't heal by avoiding and pretending like there's a way for us to sit together. Yeah. Because you have to confront. Yeah. We're all vulnerable. We're not all strong 24-7. Yeah. We all, we all cry. We all feel scared. And we should cry. We have yeah. those feelings for a reason. Exactly. We have the capacity to feel a lot of different things at the same time. Exactly. And it's important to tap in the range of the things that we can do as human yeah. beings. Yeah. Yeah. There's human emotions. Too. It's a beautiful thing to like vulnerable and heal and, and go through that process. Like it's part of our existence. Yeah. It cleans you. It yeah. cleans you out. It, it washes everything that you don't ever need. Yeah. And then you're able to get up and go back at it again. This is, this is my last uh, big metaphor, but like how, how our body heals is you bleed. Yeah. If you just stop bleeding, then you, your body doesn't heal correctly and you scar. Exactly. Right? That, the blood cleans. Wounds, yes. Right? And that's what mm -hmm. you have to do. Yeah. yeah. Without sounding too preachy, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Okay. I think that's good. I think that's good. Is there anything else you want to just throw in there? Um, no, no, I think that's good. good. I think we I think we're done. Good. Yeah. We're done for now. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Annette. Thank you.